0: morning, everybody. That is absolutely true. We are here to worship. You are welcome. We're glad you're with us. Again, as I always say, whether you're in the room or you're online with us, you're here with us, and we're glad. And so, yes, it is quick. You're like, whoa, it's weird. You're up there already, right? And I just threw you guys off. You're like, what is going on today? Well, today we're going to continue our series that we've been in called The Table, Uh, We're still in that, and we've been talking about a lot of different things in the table, right? We've talked about how God invites every one of us to the table through a relationship with Jesus. And when you accept that, if you accept that invitation, and it has to be accepted because it's an invitation to be accepted, if you accept that invitation, God wants you to do certain things and to be certain things, right? He wants you to be in community. He wants you to be in prayer. He wants you to be in his word, 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 and God's word in the Bible. He wants you to take steps in your faith. Maybe it's baptism. Maybe it's joining a life group. Maybe it's using your muscles to set up and tear down a church that meets in a village center. There could be a lot of things that God wants you to do. There's a lot of things that God wants us to do. And last week we talked about one of the most important things, and that is generosity. Giving of our resources and our time back to God and to other people. And so today, though, we're talking about a really, really important aspect of being a follower of Christ, because this is everything about this topic is focused on God himself. Today, we talk about worship. We talk about worship. Now, I don't know about you, but when I say the word worship, we get a lot of different ideas, right? Some of us think music. Some of us think we just did worship. Now we're not doing worship, and then we'll do worship later again, right? That would not be true. Worship is not just music. We call that our, you know, we're going to stand or we're going to worship or we're going to do that thing. But what I did this last week is I Googled worship. What do you do when you're just kind of curious about something? You Google it. I don't know about you, but I Google it, right? And so I Googled the word worship, and I want to show you a screenshot of what I ended up with, okay? This is actually what I ended up with. This is what my screen looked like. If you look at that, almost every picture in there, every image when I googled worship, has people gathered together singing songs with their hands up. Right? There you go. That's what you see as worship. Now, the question I have for you today is this. Is that worship? Is it worship? Well, the answer is yes and no. The answer is yes and no. It is a form of worship. Absolutely. So it is yes in terms of this is one aspect of worship. This is one way that we worship God is by singing songs and singing praises and and honoring God, honoring Jesus by what we're singing and what we're doing, right? And we do that together. That's why you gathered here together today. We are worshiping corporately, But the answer is also no, because it is not the definition of worship. It is not the only way to worship. It is one way to worship. It is not the only way. We worship in all kinds of ways, and we're going to get into that. And so here's the question that I have for you today. What is worship, and how should we worship? What is worship and how should we worship? I want to answer those two questions today. And so we're going to jump right into the story out of God's Word in the Bible. If you'd like to follow along on your own, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 4. John chapter 4. So go ahead and turn there, uh, get there on your phone or whatever it is. John chapter 4 is where we're going to be uh, for our story today. So let me just set up the context. So Jesus is traveling through the region of Samaria. And he gets to this water well on top of this big hill, okay? And he specifically goes to this water well because he knows that there's a woman that's going to be coming to that water well at that time of the day, right in the middle of the day, about lunchtime. And so Jesus is there all by himself. The disciples are in the village. They are buying food. And so Jesus is by himself. And then this woman, as Jesus already knew, comes to get water from the well. And so Jesus strikes up a conversation with her. And the conversation gets better and better and deeper and deeper and deeper. And the, and the conversation kind of progresses to the point where the woman begins to realize this is no mere man. This guy knows everything about life, about my life. And it's at that point in the conversation that Jesus brings up the fact that she is living in sin. Jesus confronts her. Jesus calls out the fact that she is living contrary to how God would want her to live her life. And like most of us do, like many of us do, like I tend to do, when somebody calls out my faults, I either do one of two things. I get defensive Right. I'm like, well, wait, hold on. I have excuses. Right. Or I try to deflect the situation and turn the focus away from me. Anybody else do this? When somebody calls out my weaknesses, something that I'm not good in, I either get defensive or I point them in a different direction. I try to to dissuade them from focusing on me. Well, this woman, she feels embarrassed and ashamed, and so in the midst of this conversation, she is going to bring up a controversial issue in order to derail Jesus and take his focus off of her life. Oh, she doesn't know who she's messing with but that's what she does. So that's where we're going to pick up the conversation. Jesus has just called out her lifestyle, her sin, and she is going to try to derail Jesus with this controversial issue. John chapter 4, starting with verse 19. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, Why is it that you Jews, that would be Jesus, insist that Jerusalem is the only place of worship, while we Samaritans, that would be the woman, claim it is here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worshipped? So understand what she is doing right now. She is trying to deflect, right? And notice that at the very beginning, she butters Jesus up. Did you notice that? She says, wow, you must be a prophet, Have you ever had your children come to you and be like, Mom, that dinner was the best one I've ever had. Thank you for making it and spending hours doing that. What are you waiting for? You're waiting for the other shoe to drop, right? They want to go play with friends. They want to buy a Nintendo Switch. They want something, and therefore they're giving you a compliment. They're buttering you up. That's exactly what she's doing. She's buttering Jesus up. You must be a prophet. You're amazing. By the way, I have a question for you, right? And then she derails, she tries to derail Jesus with this question about worship, about whether or not they should worship in Jerusalem or whether or not they should worship on Mount Gerizim. And so Jesus takes this opportunity to offer a very important and very powerful response. And so I want to focus on Jesus' response today. Listen to how he responds to the woman Jesus replied, Believe me, dear woman, the time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. In other words, Jesus is saying, It doesn't matter either way. It doesn't matter whether you worship in Jerusalem or on Mount Gerizim. It actually doesn't matter. Neither one matters. That's what he's saying. Now listen to what he says next. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him. For salvation comes through the Jews. But listen to what he says here. This is really important. This is kind of the key to this whole deal. But the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. He's speaking about himself. He's saying, I'm right in front of you. I'm changing everything. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the Father, will worship God in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So what I want to do today, just for a little while, is I want to talk about worship. I want to talk about this response that Jesus gives. And there's a phrase that he mentions twice in there. I don't know if you noticed it, but he says, if we are followers of Jesus, if we are followers of Christ, we must. He didn't say you might or maybe you should. He said we must worship in spirit and in truth. We have to worship in spirit and in truth. So the question I have for you is, well, what is that talking about? What does that mean? Well, essentially, Jesus is trying to describe God with that statement, with that phrase. He's describing who God is. So let's take the first part of that phrase. God, or Jesus says, God is spirit. God is spirit. What does that mean? It means that God is not made of material matter like we are. God is spirit. God is all-consuming. God is all-knowing. God is love. God is truth. God is omnipresent. God is omniscient. He is everywhere at all times, in all places. God is not something that you or I can fully understand or comprehend or describe. God is spirit. But what is Jesus really saying when he says God is spirit? What he's saying is, if you want to worship God, it's gonna to have to be more than just showing up physically. What Jesus is saying is you can't just show up to a place and worship magically happens. Just like I can't show up to, you know, the coal center. And expect, because I'm on the Cole Center floor, basketball floor, I'm all of a sudden going to be amazing at basketball. Right? Just because we show up physically, Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter if you're in Jerusalem or on the mountain. God is spirit. Therefore, if you want to worship God, it has to be a spiritual thing. We have to engage our souls. We can't just engage physically. It's more than that. God is spirit. In fact, this is kind of that part of worship where we listen to God and we kind of allow God, to, his spirit, to move on us. Maybe you got, some of you have seen some of these things. Sometimes people who worship in the spirit, they get a bad rap, right? Because maybe they're the ones doing this. Yeah! Right? And some of you are like, crazy. Right? Some of you look at those kind of people and you're like, they're nuts. I'm glad I don't worship like that. Right? The people that are running up and down the aisles and their hands are out and they're jumping and they're dancing. And they're, man, they're worshiping in the spirit. Maybe or maybe not because it's a soul thing. Is it possible for me to have my hands out and up and not be worshiping? Sure it is. Is it possibly evidence that I am worshiping? Sure, it could be. What Jesus is saying is, the physical doesn't matter as much as the spiritual. What matters is your soul. Is your soul engaged? Otherwise, this is just show. Right? So spiritual worship Worshiping in God's spirit is more in the moment. It's where we hear from God. It's where we're communicating both ways with God. We're both talking to God. We're listening to God. We're singing. We're worshiping God in the moment. But then Jesus says we must worship God in spirit and in what? What did it say? In truth. So what is Jesus saying when he says we need to worship in truth? Oh, my. Well, this is what Jesus is really saying is Jesus is saying we can't worship God unless we worship God. Now some of you say, think, I just repeated myself. Let me repeat myself again. What Jesus is saying is you can't worship God unless you worship God. What do I mean by that? What I mean is a lot of people worship the wrong God. A lot of people Worship a God that they've created in their own mind. A lot of people worship a version of God that is not this God that is described in God's word. A lot of people don't like what it says about God in here and what he does and so therefore they create a version of God that is safer than this God. They create a version of God that they like better than this God. They create a version of God that is culturally and politically acceptable in our current day kind of God. They create a God who votes politically like they do. Now you see what Jesus is saying when he says worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus is saying worship the true God of the universe, the one true God of the Bible. Otherwise, it's not really worship. Now, here's the thing. You and I, we tend to have our leanings in worship, right? Some of us here are more spirit-led worship, right? We're the ones that we want to come in, and we just go with the flow, and when the music starts, we're just like, oh, yeah, let's go. Bring it on, right? And we're in the Spirit-led worship, and we're listening to God, and we're in the moment, and we don't have to plan anything. We don't have to worry about anything. We're just in the Spirit-led worship. Sometimes the the danger, I'm not saying this is true of all Spirit-led worship, but I'm saying sometimes the danger of Spirit-led worship is lawlessness. We discard God's law because we focus so heavily on God's love. Does God love you? Absolutely. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more or less than he does because he loves you perfectly right now. He always has. But sometimes we focus too heavily on God's love and we say, God will love us no matter what we do, so let's do whatever we want to do. Right? How many of you would say that to your kids? You guys do whatever you want to do because I love you no matter what. So just do whatever you want. How many of you would use that strategy in parenting? How's it going for you if you do? Probably not well, right? And we shouldn't treat God the same way, right? Now, here's the other side of the coin. Some of us, we are worshipers in truth. We are grounded on God's word. Right, We worship the one true God of the Bible and we find our worth and our salvation by living very faithfully and we never mess up and we look right, we act right, we talk right, we never ever sin. And so our salvation comes in our goodness. That's called legalism. And a lot of people like to worship Legalistically. Can I tell you that neither one of those extremes are right? Because what is Jesus really saying when he says worship in spirit and in truth? Can I tell you what he's really saying? He's actually exhibiting the fact that how I just preached on that phrase is wrong. In fact, I preached on it in that way on purpose to demonstrate how wrong it is. What Jesus doesn't want us to do is he doesn't want us to worship in one way or the other. I just kind of gave you that phrase as if you can break that phrase apart, but Jesus says you can't. In fact, I read it out of the New Living Translation, which is probably not the best translation for this particular conversation. The best translation in the Bible for this particular part of the conversation is the English Standard Version. The King James Version even gets it wrong on this one. Seriously. The English Standard Version says that Jesus said we must worship in spirit and truth. It just says spirit and truth straight up, just like that. It's not a division phrase. It goes together. It's a preposition that has to be connected. If we want to truly worship God, spirit has to be involved truth has to be involved but not on opposite sides they have to be on top of each other they have to line up let me kind of prove this to you and by the way worship spirit and truth doesn't just happen in worship service you realize this right Can you worship God in spirit and in truth at your workplace? The answer is yes. You can. In fact, you should. I'm not saying like you put on the music and you crank it up in the office and you're like, "Woo! there's joy in the house of the Lord today. You're going to scare people away from God fast. Right? I'm not saying that. But how you work What you say to people at work, how you think about people at work is a form of worship. How you treat your spouse is a form of worship. How you think about and how you talk to your children is a form of worship. How you think about that neighbor that nobody wants to be around is a form of worship or not. Worship is everywhere. In fact, let me take you back to the story and prove that Jesus is talking about this truth thing, that that it matters, spirit and truth. All right? Go back to John chapter 4, verse 23. This is what it says. Jesus says, but the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now. Again, he's talking about himself, and then I want you to catch this phrase. When true Worshippers. he doesn't just say worshipers he says true worshipers now I looked up the original Greek word that we translate to the word true right there all right and the Greek word is alethinos alethinos now yeah in that cool word right write that one down put that get a tattoo of that one right there right that's that's some good stuff Right? Now, this Greek word, what I did is I looked it up in Strong's Concordance. Con- Strong's Concordance kind of lists all the Hebrew and, and the Greek words, and it kind of gives you a definition of those original words in their olig- original language. Okay, And so I looked it up, and I wanted to just kind of share my version with you, but instead I felt like I should just read exactly from the concordance, exactly what it says about this word that we translate to mean the word true worshippers listen to what it says i think you'll catch what i mean it says this greek word means this that which is has not only the name and resemblance but the real nature corresponding to the name in every respect corresponding to the idea signified by the name real true genuine it is opposite to what is fictitious, counterfeit, imaginary, simulated, or pretended. Wow. Do you catch what Jesus was saying? Jesus uses this word. This is the word that describes what Jesus said in that moment. And what Jesus is saying is, if you don't worship every day, not just on Sunday, but every day, In spirit and truth, it's counterfeit. It's false. It's pretend. In fact, I looked up all the Hebrew and Greek words that we translate into the word worship. You realize that the English language is somewhat limited, right? It's kind of like the Greek had like four different types of love words Well, in the Bible, there are four Hebrew words and six Greek words that we translate into one word called worship. So I looked up all the Hebrew words and all the Greek words this week on what we describe as worship. And do you know what they all describe? Minus two that were like the opposite of this, but otherwise they were describing it in the opposite version. Every one of the words describe worship as this. As bowing down, as prostrating yourself, as surrendering yourself, revering and acknowledging the authority and the sovereignty of someone in front of you. Worship, very simply, is this. It's you acknowledging that God is higher, better, Sovereign, and is your authority over every aspect of your life. That God is the authority over your physical body. That God is the authority over your emotional state. That God is the authority over your attitude on a daily basis. Oh man, some of us need that one. I do, right? God is the authority over your sexuality, God is your authority over your decisions. God is your authority over your family, over your spouse, over your children, over your decisions, over your career, over your job, over how you drive, over the person when they cut you off and what you respond and how you do that. God is your authority. He is sovereign. In fact, let me ask you this. When somebody comes at you like this, what do you know is about to happen? They are coming to fight, they're coming to fight. They're coming to hurt. They're coming to do damage. Right? But let me ask you this. When somebody comes at you like this, is that different? What are they coming at you? They're coming in surrender. Maybe they're coming for a hug. They're certainly not coming to fight. This is why when we sing in a worship setting and sometimes when I'm having my personal devotions, I will just stick my hands out and up like this. I I do it a lot. I'm sure you guys see that because I sit on the front row, right? I do this a lot, and the reason I do this is because I need to physically remind myself that this is what I need to be doing internally. Jesus, I'm yours. You're sovereign. You're over me. You're higher than me. And so here's what we're gonna do The reason I came up early is because we're going to spend the rest of our time together just worshiping. But keep in mind that worship is not just singing. Worship is not just a worship service. Worship is all about aligning your heart, your mind, your soul with Almighty God. And allowing Yourself to be surrendered to Him. It is very possible to sit in a worship service and not worship. Because it doesn't matter if you worship in Jerusalem or in Mount Gerizim or in the village center in Wanakee. What matters is that you're here to worship God in spirit. And in truth, and they're linked. So, as we sing, as we hear scripture being read over the next several minutes, we're gonna spend some time, we're not gonna rush through this, we're gonna spend some real time just worshiping God. So, I wanna encourage you don't be embarrassed about people around you, because it's not about them. This is about you being lined up with God. Surrendering. So you might need to put your hands out. You might need to raise your hand. You might need to stand there quietly. Don't worry about raising your hands if everybody else is. Don't worry about raising your hand if nobody else is. That's not the point. The point is lining yourself up with God. So the question I have for you is this. How are you approaching God? Are you approaching God like this? Or are you approaching God like this? Which one will you do right now in these moments? Will you surrender? Or will you fight? God asks for this in spirit and in truth let's pray Lord Jesus we are here to worship you We're not here to put on a show. We're not here because it's Sunday and we have to. We're not here because I felt guilty and I feel like if somebody didn't see me in church, they would think less of me. We're not here because we needed a a pick-me-up. And if we are here for any of those reasons, God, I pray that you would change our heart, change our soul, help us to remember that we are here to once again, like we need to do every single day, to surrender our life to you. In these next few moments, as we sing, as we hear scripture, as the worship team leads us to your feet, may we bow May we surrender. May we approach you with open hands, open arms, open hearts, open souls to receive you. Because the best worship we can give is to give ourselves. Help us to do that in these next few moments. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. This morning we're not.